In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Unless you are a Roman Catholic, whether presently or formerly, or have spent time on the Gulf Coast of Texas, the name, let alone the feast of Corpus Christi, may be unfamiliar to you. Of course, when you translate the Latin, it's clearly a feast about the body of Christ, Corpus, body, Christi, Christ. But because I always think people can use a little more trivia in their lives, in case you're wondering how the city on the Gulf Coast got its name, it's because it's said to have been first seen by Spaniards on this particular feast day in the year 1519. So, a little trivia, but not really why we're here. The question is, why a feast day? And what might it mean to us? What might it mean for us? It's primarily understood as a day focused on the sacrament, the Eucharist, and our belief that receiving the body and blood in the Eucharist nourishes and sustains us in our life as Christians, something we do indeed believe. That's why the Eucharist is the focus of every principal service on a Sunday. And for just that reason, even during the height of the pandemic, when only five or six of us were in this vast space, we chose to celebrate the Eucharist, even knowing that for all those viewing the service, it was and could only be spiritual communion. As for those of you who are joining us online, it still is. So as a church, the Eucharist is central. And how did that come to be? The first and obvious reason is because at the last meal that Jesus shared with his disciples, he lifted up the bread and said, this is my body given for you. Then at the end of the meal, he took the cup of wine and he lifted that up and said, this is my blood given for you. Whenever you eat this, whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. He said this, of course, right before his arrest, and therefore right before his crucifixion. On that day of crucifixion, his very body and his very blood were offered up for the sake of the world. So we don't just remember the Last Supper we are also meant to remember Jesus' self-offering on the cross. Remember, Jesus said, and so we do. Reverence for the Eucharist, which is really reverence for Christ, is surely the point of this day. But it is not the only reason to celebrate this day, and that's why I love the biblical texts that have been appointed. Take a look in your bulletin at those two brief lines from the book of Deuteronomy. That whole book, and it's a long one, is understood to be Moses' farewell address to the people. 
the people he has led for 40 years, who now stand on the verge of entering the promised land, they can see it from the hills of Moab, the land for which they have been longing and which many of them feared they would never actually see. Moses wants to be sure they understand who they are, and as we might put it today, whose they are. They are God's people, a people God brought up out of slavery in Egypt, a people God has accompanied all through the wilderness, a people who has brought them to this new land. They are also a people who questioned and grumbled and rebelled and sometimes stood firm through 40 years in the wilderness. And now they can see the promised land. Moses knows this is the time to remind them of how when they complained about not having enough to eat, God sent them manna, manna they had to gather up every day, and that could not be stored. It was their daily bread for the journey given from God's provision. Remembering that, Moses insists, they remember as they make this new land their home, as they cultivate its fields, produce grain and wine, that even though they won't have or need manna anymore, they still and always will need the word of God. That is God's everlasting provision. Forget God's word and the bread they can produce, however delicious, the life they create, however comfortable, will never be enough. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's word. As Christian, we know that Jesus is described as the very word of God. In the first lines of the first chapter of John's gospel, from which today's reading comes, we hear, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through him. As John describes the relationship between God and the Word, he tells us our very being depends upon this Word, depends upon Jesus. All the more reason then that if Jesus is given to us through the bread and the wine at communion, we might well venerate the Eucharist. And so we do, and especially on this day. But that, that is not enough, not even close. For through such reverence and veneration, we run the risk of failing to worship Christ fully. We run the risk of forgetting why Jesus offered up his body and blood. It was not for a sacred meal. It was for us and for the life of the world. 
Back in the 19th century, a movement began in England and then spread to this country to place much more emphasis on the Eucharist and to place it at the very center of our worship. It was not a view universally welcomed or adopted at the time, but what gave the movement staying power was its equally vehement insistence on Christian life moving from the sanctuary, from the parish churches, into the world, into the streets. Because if we are fed with the body of Christ, that surely means we have to become the visible body of Christ in and for the world. These are the Christians who led the fight against child labor and for workers' rights. These are the Christians who established hospitals and schools to serve all who were ill, all who needed an education, fed by the word of God, seeking to feed and change the world. If Jesus is alive in us, if we are truly fed through him by hearing his words and receiving his body as the very word of God, then through our lives, Jesus must be alive and at work in the world, doing all those things that Jesus did, proclaiming release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, binding up the brokenhearted, freeing the oppressed, and always proclaiming good news to the poor. We are not on the edge of the promised land. But at this time in our lives, we are beginning to emerge from a wilderness that has been this pandemic. We are beginning at long last to look ahead the community to which Moses spoke was a community that had survived a great deal and a community where many of their number had not survived and where some had been born into wilderness. There was jubilation about heading into the future and also grief about what and who had been lost and no small amount of anxiety about what lay ahead. There was also the temptation to put it all behind them and delight in that new land, that new life. Does that sound like us? I think so. All those feelings, all hard-earned, all valid, it's been a long way. But what a tragedy. If we lurch forward, forgetting all that we have experienced, all that we still carry, as if we can live life as we did back in Egypt, when how we lived has ended and we need a renewed life, a new land, and transformation. We need Moses' words. 
Moses' words, which hold all those experiences, all those emotions, all our hopes and fears, our grief and relief. We need to remember that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then remember, it is Jesus, who is the very word of God, Jesus, who feeds us here, Jesus, who leads us forward from here, Jesus, alive in us for the sake of the world. In the name of the living God, who creates, redeems, and sustains us. Amen.